Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. We're so glad you've joined us, listeners all around the world. We have such a fun show today. We're talking about coffee as a community, not commodity. And before I introduce our very special guest, we always share our Anikona Farm moment. What's going on at the farm on the big island of Hawaii right above Kona? Well, we've had some really nice visits from some good friends from Seattle that we've known throughout the years. Actually, if you can believe, from business school days at the University of Washington. And they were nice to join us on the farm. And we had such a nice visit, nice chats. And we had some good coffee as well. It was fun to share good times with them. So we really enjoyed that. And we're also gearing up for some large orders. We've We've been in touch with our friends over in Wisconsin. They print our Kona, Anikona coffee bags. And so they're called Roastar in Wisconsin. And so we are going to be printing some bags. Our designers are in California from Infinity Consulting, and they've designed such a beautiful bag for us. And then over at Roastar in Wisconsin, they are printing those bags for us in time for some of the latest roasts that we'll, we'll be doing. So now let's talk about coffee as a community, not commodity. We have Emily McIntyre joining us. She's the founder and general manager at Crema.co in Portland, Oregon. And I love how Crema.co believes that coffee is a community. It's not a commodity. And it really is their mission to empower farmers and roasters and coffee drinkers to really truly live well. Welcome, Emily. We're so glad you've joined us. Oh, thank you, Aniko. It's wonderful to be here. Hello. <laughs> Hello. We, um, we, we have a lot of listeners around the world, and of course, we have some from Oregon as well and on in the Pacific Northwest. And I know our listeners are going to be so inspired how Crema.co was started. And before we talk about that, we'd love to hear about your early days in your career, a little bit about your growing up days in Montana and Missouri. Please share with us. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I was born in Montana in Flathead Valley and then moved to Missouri and grew up there in the country in dairy farmland. I was one of a large family and focused on music a lot growing up as well as writing and uh, spent about a decade as a professional pianist and uh, music teacher until transitioning into coffee and have been in that world for almost a decade now. So it's been an amazing uh, couple of careers and um, a lot of crossovers, but, but very different and enjoyable on both sides. Yes, and during your growing up days and as you were doing music and you're a beautiful pianist, I know that you, you've you um, shared your beautiful music and you play in veterans' homes, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I was wondering, was there someone in your family that also inspired you about music? Wow, you've done your research. Thank you. Yes, my family, um, growing up, music was kind of the thing that we did together. My parents are both musicians, and um, we would 
spend a lot of evenings. We didn't have a television. Um, we were homeschooled, and much of what we did was music. So between music lessons and youth symphonies and then just long evenings in Missouri, the evenings are long in the summer, fireflies um, in the field. We would sit out on the porch and, and make music together, quite a variety of instruments. And uh, we also would go to various retirement homes um, and communities with my mother. And then as I got older, that is something that I continued to do. I played at um, Alzheimer's care units and various retirement homes and veterans care um, places and facilities as well over the years. And I know how much that was appreciated. And we are so grateful for you for doing that and sharing (laughs) your love of music and also your beautiful music with others. And how nice that was to have those family times together. Would you by chance have some favorite coffee stories that maybe you shared with your family? (laughs) Well, the funny thing is I didn't grow up um, as a we weren't really coffee people. Um, I remember the first time that my parents had a vanilla latte from Starbucks when I was maybe, oh, 16. And I remember them talking about it because it was so astonishing. And it really wasn't until I hit my early 20s that I realized that coffee was something, a thing, a career, a, you know, something that you could be a yes. part of, a, a community. So the stories come when I entered coffee and began sharing that with my family. Um, my now husband and business partner served my parents one of their first meaningful coffee experiences uh, when we first started dating. We still remember that and talk about it. And my dad has become an avid home roaster. It's really fun. We spend oh, a lot fun. of time together, you know, talking about coffee and, and sharing samples from the various green coffee endeavors that we're involved in. And he shares his results and we get to drink coffee together. So it has become quite a, a family thing outside of my own tiny little family of my husband and my daughter and myself. Yes. Oh, that's so fantastic. So, (laughs) Emily, how did you end up then moving to Colorado and then to Los Angeles? I needed a change, and I randomly took a kind of internship at a a kind of dude ranch near Granby and stumbled into food service from there. I just sort of stepped into a shift lead role at a hamburger grill. And I loved it. I didn't realize I could do anything other than music, really, and writing. And here suddenly I was dealing with distraught customers and I was managing people from various nationalities and we were, um, you know, budgeting and facing inventory. And it was fascinating to me. So I decided to um, get into food and then transitioned into coffee. And I guess the rest is history. (laughs) So Colorado was a turning point for me (laughs) in a lot of ways. Definitely. So from Colorado, then you went to Los Angeles. And please share with us how that was. Well, there are a number of um, years in between there in which I fell in love, got into coffee, had a child, decided to, um, you know, managed a few different cafes and worked in barista positions and then decided to start working in coffee marketing, writing, journalism. So that was all happening by the time we went to LA. So my husband is a coffee roaster and a Q grader and who specializes in assessing the quality and value of green coffee. And he worked with Clatch Coffee in LA at the time. So that's why we moved to LA. We loved it. And then we decided to transition to Portland um, because we appreciated the culture, the coffee culture of Portland. And uh, hence, we moved up the coast. 
how we came to the West Coast is kind of a fun story and also family-related. We were young newlyweds with a child of four months, and we sold a lot of what we owned or gave it away and built a bed in the back of our pickup truck and um, spent six weeks on the road just living in our truck. And we covered about 8,000 miles of the West and Central parts of the U.S., visiting coffee shops and roasting companies and uh, doing some interviews for articles that I had lined up. And during that period, we had a problem with our car that kept us in Portland for two weeks, and we fell in love. And we returned, and we moved here. And now, years and years later, I think of Portland as both a coffee and a lifestyle home. So it was cool the way that worked out. Thank you for sharing that. That's just a wonderful story. So as you were traveling there on the road, is that how you developed your interest in kind of sort of writing coffee stories and and actually becoming a coffee journalist and photographer? Please share with us about that. Thank you. Yeah, actually, I would say that that um, was a turning point for me in that direction. But I still remember clearly the moment uh, when I was 16 in the summer of the year that I was 16 in Missouri when I decided I knew I wanted to be a professional writer. I remember the sun was hot on my head. I was standing in a university square (laughs) in the middle of Missouri, and it hit me. This is what I want to do with my life. So since then, for almost 20 years, I've been feeling around writing thousands and thousands and thousands of words and finding out what stories to tell. So coffee has been a a way for me to hone my ability to learn about people, ask questions, observe, and begin telling stories. And coffee journalism in itself has become, to me, one of the greatest ways that I can make a difference in coffee. I can connect people. I can demonstrate the entire chain. Um, At first, as you identified, when we were on the road, I began telling stories about the coffee people that I met. And then as I began traveling to Origin and working with green coffee, as well as um, when I started Crema, it became even a bigger um, mission for me to be able to tell the stories on all sides and, and try to find more ways for people to experience each other's lives through photography, through really evocative, um, intentional writing. And it just keeps growing. It's, there's so much room for storytelling within coffee. And you tell beautiful stories, Emily. You <laughs> capture, you definitely capture sort of the moment. And I love your photography as well. And uh, being a coffee storyteller as well as an entrepreneur of sorts, I, I think it's really wonderful how you share about people's lives. And We would love to share with our listeners what it was like for you living in Ethiopia and how you wrote about that. Thank you for Mm -hmm. asking. And I must say, um, you do a wonderful job of telling coffee stories as well. So thank you for contributing to the meaningful conversation that we're all part of here. Oh, Emily. (laughs) Well, living in Ethiopia, um, first of all, I I guess you could say that it, it... was a big dream come true uh, in the nitty-gritty way that dreams tend to come true, which is that sometimes you don't quite realize they've come true until you're living in the middle of them. Um, We set out to, when we found out that we were going to have a child, we sat down together and decided that our shared mission would be to do this thing of of attempting to help nudge the coffee world in a more equitable uh, direction 
in trade. And that that needed to be done through the experience of being a family together and being at Coffee Origin together. So winter of 2016-17, we moved as a family to Ethiopia. My daughter was four at the time. And um, we spent a lot of time working in remote communities in some of the more uh, famous coffee regions of Ethiopia, including Chefe, Sadama, Harar, and others. And we also spent a lot of time in the capital city of Addis Ababa. And I have worked with coffee for many years and with Ethiopian coffee in particular, but this was my first visit to this incredible, visceral, beautiful culture. And I quickly realized that um, I would never be the same. And the stories that, that I could tell could only be told through the lens of my own constant awareness of my humanity that I found there in Ethiopia, where culture shock was, was always present, where I, I constantly realized that um, I might see something a certain way and it might seem very, very constant to me, and yet uh, my dear friends and trusted um, business partners might see it from a completely different angle. And so telling stories, uh, I did a nine-part series uh, for Fresh Cups blog, and that was really special. I appreciated the freedom to write about anything that I wanted to write about while I was there, and I sat down once a week and wrote about, you know, being a parent of of a white child in Africa, which is wonderful and challenging because of the cultural differences between child-rearing practices. And I wrote about um, food (laughs) and culture shock and, you know, some of the projects we were involved in in different parts of Ethiopia. And um, I want to say I I probably took 10,000 photos that four-month period. Um, I don't have formal training as a photographer, but I've worked very hard to learn how to photograph coffee people um, around the world. And this was, I brought a couple of guidebooks with me or, you know, photography uh, textbooks, and I basically just worked through them page by page and learned with every shot that I took. And it was a huge turning point for me in my journey as a photographer and storyteller. Continues to change how I see the world today. Um, And I hope that it will continue to do so. We returned as a family again this past winter, and uh, it was like coming home. I now feel like there's a huge part of me that, well, everywhere you go, everywhere you fall in love with a culture, with people, um, when you leave there, you leave a part of yourself, and you just hope that you can come back to it regularly. That's where I am with with Ethiopia in particular. Oh, well, thank you for taking us with you on that four-month <laughs> journey while you were there and sharing about the beautiful culture of Ethiopia. And of course, mm-hmm. coffee and hist- the coffee history goes back to Ethiopia. So it was it was really wonderful that you could you could be there and you could learn about the culture and learn about coffee yeah. and how inspiring that is, Emily. And then when you came back <laughs> to Portland, Oregon, and how that had impact and impacted you and inspired you is um, is just so wonderful. And when we come back after the break, listeners, we're going to find out how Emily founded and now is general manager at crema.co and a little bit more about crema.co's mission um, and really how they inspire 
one cup at a time, every coffee drinker, every (laughs) roaster, every farmer. So please join us right after the break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We have Emily McIntyre with us. She's founder and general manager at crema.co in Portland, Oregon. And we're talking about coffee as a community, not commodity. And we were just sharing with Emily. She was talking about how they lived in Ethiopia and a little bit about her personal journey, how she ended up becoming a coffee journalist and photographer. And we were going to just learn about how Emily founded or co-founded Crema.co and a little bit about Crema.co's mission. Please share with us, Emily. Thank you, Aniko. Well, I had the great good fortune to be contacted by Tyler Tate, who had envisioned Crema.co as the ultimate coffee search engine that would allow coffee drinkers to basically find their most amazing coffee um, and find it in a way that allowed them to connect with the people who grew and roasted their coffee. And he contacted me because I specialize in coffee storytelling and content. And so quickly um, 
we began to work together, and before long, I stepped in as a co-founder because Crema.co is a coffee subscription, uh, a marketplace for coffee, but it is so much more than a coffee subscription. It is a medium for connection, and this is kind of one of our taglines, which Aniko has has stated, uh, coffee is a community and not a commodity. And Crema.co is a way for that to be expressed. Coffee is practiced as a ritual around the world. We have people in Ethiopia crouched over metal skillets, um, making coffee with the frankincense uh, burners, just sending this intense, visceral, olfactory experience to mingle with the smell of the coffee. We have Turkish or Armenian coffee being ground fine and sipped with cardamom and other amazing things. We have coffee being celebrated in formal and informal ways all over the world, on coffee farms, in offices, in um, restaurants, in kitchens, camping. It is the ritual that pulls us all together. And honestly, it is traded as a commodity, but it needs to be, and we believe that it can be seen as a community, and we can all pitch in together to make that happen. So at Crema.co, we spend a lot of time researching each coffee that we bring on. We carefully curate our offerings. I firmly believe that we have the best offering list around available of coffees from a variety of roasters, different geographical locations, different roasting styles, but all who source um, as equitably and responsibly as possible. And we research each coffee to learn more about the producer or the cooperative uh, from which it comes. And then we tell those stories. I have to make a huge shout-out to our copywriter and uh, content specialist, Leslie Wyatt, who's been working with us for a couple of years now. And um, she puts in two to three hours per coffee to, to really dive deep and present the coffees as best as possible. So that is one of the ways in which we tell these stories. We also have um, a personalized coffee flavor map that we call the brew log. Uh, as a crema subscriber, once you like or dislike three coffees, this unlocks to you the ability to, A, get our custom recommendations as to what you might like, but also uh, this incredibly beautiful map that shows where you like to buy your coffees. Uh, do you like to have Central American coffees or Ethiopian coffees or Kenyas? Do you tend toward uh, citrus or chocolate notes? And um, this is another way in which we work to show the connections between coffees, coffee people all around the world. The different coffees that you offer, Emily, you offer about 20 or so, if I'm not mistaken, on, on crema.co. And each one is delicious in its own right. And I love how you can cater the taste to your customers so that they can really pick what makes sense for them or what they've always wanted to try, something from Ethiopia. And it's so nice that you offer such a nice variety and you've done so much research to make sure that all those coffees are <laughs> produced in a way that you feel is equitable and sustainable and how it's processed and, and roasted. And then at the end of the day, it must be so wonderful that you've connected farmers and the drinkers from all around the world on crema.co mm. that's just fantastic how Thank so you. how do you how do you go about um 
who on your team goes out and selects the coffee? What's what's mm-hmm. the team like at crema.co and kind of the vibe at crema.co? Great question. First of all, we do have 20 different roasters that we work with, and we're about to onboard a number of other roasters. So that's exciting. And we actually sell over 80 different coffees on our site. So it's really a constantly rotating series of inventory because, of course, coffee is seasonal, and we emphasize that. So um, the micro lots that the, the roasters purchase will run out at any given point when they reach the end of the palette or series of palettes that they've purchased. Um, we are in the very fortunate position of having a lot of roasters reach out to us and request to be considered um, to be featured on crema.co. So while at the beginning, Tyler and I reached out to a few of our connections and favorite roasters, um, many of whom are still with us, Toby's Estate, Nosa Familia, Old Soul Company, um, Theodore's, a few of those. Um, now we basically just have a wait list, and as we have time, we slowly sort through um, the request to be considered, and we evaluate the coffee, we evaluate the sourcing practices, we think about the roast, um, the actual quality of the roast, the quality of the packaging, and a number of other factors that go into um, who we choose. And we have someone on our team, and um, a fun fact, that someone is actually uh, my husband consulting from our other company, um, who is a Q grader and assesses all of these coffees as QC. And he has been our quality control guy since, oof, I want to say three years now. Um, the vibe is fun. It's We have a pretty much remote team. We have people who work with us um, in Thailand and Canada and Costa Rica and London and New York, (laughs) Portland, (laughs) California. And uh, our customer support guy, Michael George, who's amazing, is in Ohio. So um, we're pretty directed. We work in an efficient fashion because, well, you know, there is no office to waste time in. And it's it's really fun. Uh, as general manager, I have the privilege of, of staying on top of everything that's going on and hearing from each person on the team with any obstacles or excitement that they may have about their roles. And it's fun. Oh, it sounds like such a fun vibe at crema.co. And I'm curious if you could share with us, Emily, sort of a, a favorite coffee story that stands out either during travels or as you were um, you know, meeting as a team or something that came out as you met with one of the farmers, you're truly building a community with crema.co. Please share with us. Yeah, actually, um, let me share a moment that recently occurred and, and seemed like a personal connection of so many of the endeavors I'm a part of. When we lived in Ethiopia, and we, I mean, uh, my business partner and life partner, Michael, and our daughter, we have a coffee consulting company called Catalyst Coffee Consulting. We specialize in Ethiopian coffee. So Catalyst was consulting with an export company um, and working with a really special washing station in the Cochera district um, in Ethiopia. And we actually spent um, our New Year's Day 2016 there at this mill. It's called Ricocoba. And it's a very special place, very special people. Um, We worked very hard with them to identify some unique processing methods that we could use to distinguish the coffee above other coffees. And um, those coffees have gone on to uh, be competed with in national and international barista competitions and have been lauded 
everywhere they've gone. It's very exciting. So we were involved on the ground with this project. And then um, one of my very favorite Crema.co roasters, Darwin Pavon at Theodore's Coffee, purchased that coffee from my consulting company um, and then decided to put it on Crema. And so I was able to use the photos. This is a very high-quality coffee, and I know the provenance of this coffee, so it was really, really fun. I was able to use the photos that I took at Ricocova Mill for the listing on Crema.co, and it was one of Theodore's most popular coffees. It sold out very quickly. And then recently at a trade show, I was able to introduce Darwin to two of the people who made that project possible. And I have a photo of him, like, struggling to hold back tears as he meets these two. He is, he is a Honduran um, gentleman who works with Honduran coffee farmers and friends and imports their coffee. And he also has this amazing roasting company, Theodore's. So he's super involved in equable green coffee sourcing. And then here he is um, standing and shaking hands with the Ethiopian gentleman who oversaw this project that has become what he sees as his flagship coffee. And as uh, Crema, I got to facilitate that coffee um, being in the kitchens and the offices of a lot of different people. And I've actually had a number of Crema.co customers who I've just randomly asked, like, hey, what are you drinking from Crema? And they'll say, oh, it's the Rico Coba. <laughs> and oh. it's so cool. Because uh, this project, okay. I mean, I got a terrible sunburn at Rico Copa. <laughs> yes. And, you know, like I got, I had the privilege of, of sitting there and, and getting super sweaty and working with people and learning about coffee processing and giving feedback. And um, now I've gotten to see it all the way through to oh, this beautiful yes. packaging. People are breaking it down, taking pictures on Instagram. And it's just so special to be there. With everybody. It's, it's so special. Thing. You definitely <laughs> have connected the community, and that's that moment when you saw them together. That's just a beautiful yeah. story, and thank you for sharing, Emily. And I'm glad that you mentioned about your consulting and Catalyst Consulting, which um, you also do in addition to uh, being the general manager at crema.co. You'll also do consulting. You'll you'll actually consult from cafe management to operations, event management, brand development. So that must be interesting. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on currently? Good question. Honestly, what we're really focused on is Ethiopian specialty coffee. We've had the privilege of uh, being very a very large part in some recent legislative changes that have. Uh, just broken open the potential for direct, more direct type trade with coffee producers in Ethiopia. And um, some of the resources that we've produced have been utilized by the government to make this happen or to um, increase the transparency between in the coffee trade in Ethiopia, which has been challenging given the political situation there. So with this level of unprecedented change and excitement and opportunity in Ethiopia, we see ourselves increasingly focusing on the green coffee side, on specializing in bringing the best Ethiopian coffees in, that can be found anywhere in the world to our customers, and also in um, continuing to find ways for the roasters to connect with the producers, the washing station owners, um, and the processors who make their coffee possible. This is the future of coffee. 
this growing community. And we see Ethiopia as a kind of microcosm for the world, that if this can continue to grow and change, if this positive change can continue to happen in Ethiopia, we can extrapolate, you know, five, ten years from now, we can extrapolate what we've learned and seen in Ethiopia to other coffee-growing regions and countries and uh, continue to make the the wealth trickle down better, uh, more quality of life for everybody involved. And um, these are big topics that have to be tackled through years of um, trying things out, learning from our mistakes and from our um, learning experiences and sharing what we learn with everybody. So that's the future for Catalyst. That's where we're headed. And that's an incredible future. I think Catalyst is making such a difference in the future of coffee and really connecting from the farmers, roasters, and coffee drinkers so that everyone can truly live well, as you say, at krautcrema.co. And I, I also think it's fascinating, before we go to break, Emily, how... Uh, not only you do your consulting and you write beautiful coffee stories and you have crema.co where you're really fostering community and how you're you're really celebrating how coffee touches millions of lives. You know, we, mm. we span the world through coffee, whether it's through cloud forests or through two office cubes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really fun. But I would say that our listeners would love to hear about how you've interviewed barista champions around the world and sometimes even in the middle of the jungle. Please share with us. <laughs> yes. Well, one of my very favorite things is interviewing coffee people. And um, there are... So many great uh, interview stories, but I think one of my favorites was uh, in 2015, fall of 2015, being on a bus in um, Valle de Cauca in Colombia, typing. Uh, it was pretty much dark, and I was typing on my computer, um, transcribing an interview with Sasha Sesak, who was then the World Barista Champion. And uh, I, I'll never forget him stopping the interview and saying, what are you doing? How are you typing so fast? Are you actually writing what I'm saying? And then he kept, uh, he, he went through a series of trick questions to make sure that I was actually <laughs> typing the 90 plus words a minute that I claimed. And it was a really fun moment. Um, on that note, it was also a really fun moment to um, <laughs> clatter down the mountain on uh, some horses with Sasha and with Lem Butler, who went on to become another world-famous barista champion. Um, and, and just like kind of howling to the moon as night fell, startling the dogs as we clattered into the, the village <laughs> at the foot of the mountain. Um, this was in San Agustin in Colombia. Some really cool memories. Um, but it really, it's, it is fun. I take great joy in the circumstances of getting to interview and be part of the lives of um, coffee people. But it's also about those coffee people. So while it was really fun for me to get to do that, it was also really cool to hear Sasha's genuine passion for using his um, platform as the World Barista Champion to positively impact the coffee world. And we need World Barista Champions like that. We need more and more advocates who will use their position to better the people around them. So kudos to him and to everyone else who's doing that. Well, and thank you for sharing his story, Emily, and and for sharing other stories, too, and Barista Champion stories. We're so grateful to you. And when we come back, 
after the break, we're going to share about how Crema.co makes donations to food for farmers right after the break. And we may even hear about Emily's best of list. So please join us. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We are chatting with Emily McIntyre. She's the founder and general manager at Co. in Portland, Oregon. We're talking about coffee as a community, not commodity. And we were just hearing from Emily, her amazing stories, how she also interviews barista champions, sometimes even in the middle of the jungle. And we were going to ask Emily about how Crema.co makes donations to food for farmers for each bag of coffee purchased on Crema.co. Please tell us a little bit about that, Emily. Indeed. Food for Farmers is a nonprofit that addresses food security in the coffee lands of Central America. And we donate 10 cents from every bag sold on Crema.co to Food for Farmers for this endeavor. And that is uh, just a big, big help. Thank you to Crema.co for doing that. And, and how's that been going? Oh, it's great. Um, food for Farmers is a really awesome Nonprofit, very transparent. Uh, I get some wonderful information regularly from Janice Nadworthy, who is the co-director there. 
and um, they're doing good work. We're donating to the Sopexca Project in uh, Nicaragua, which uh, works with education for food, micro gardens, um, is opening an organic um, market in Nicaragua, and also um, there are a lot of other projects involving the security, creating new um, sources of food for coffee communities in, I want to say, five different countries in Central America. But we particularly are um, a part of the Sopexca project in Nicaragua. Thank you for your contributions and for making a difference for them. And I was going to ask you for our listeners how you you have a very popular best of list that you've written. And I was wondering how you came up with the idea and then how you write your best of lists. Yes. Um, are you referring to um, the coffees on crema.co that I choose yes. to feature as my yes. best of? Okay. Yes. Just, just to make sure. Um, I just taste all the coffees that come through and the ones that stand out to me the most. Um, you know, like every person, I have my own personal preferences. I tend toward um, brighter coffees that still have a lot of sweetness in them. So, um, And I also have certain producers that I'm fonder of, a lot I've met in person, and um, others I've been continuing to support over the years from different roasters. So those are the characteristics that tend to make it onto my best of list. And sometimes because my best of list uh, reaches all crema.co users, I, uh, I'll just throw another coffee or two in that I think would be really exciting for everybody to taste, even if it's not in my top five. Oh, that's so fun. How, how do you have time to kind of all the hobbies that you do with your piano playing and you're involved in martial arts and, and also you write fantasy stories. How do you balance the time, <laughs> Emily? Um, well, a few, a few hard looks at reality, uh, which is that I can't necessarily have my cake and eat it too. I don't play uh, or perform now in remotely the same way that I used to. And I am a firm believer in taking small steps toward an eventual goal. So I wake up uh, every morning. I say every morning. It probably ends up being 70% of the time, but, you know, um, that works too. (laughs) I wake up every morning and I write. And I force myself to sit down and brainstorm or write for a certain length of time. And often it's interrupted. I mean, I have a six-year-old, you know, sometimes she wakes up early and of course I want that extra cuddle time. Um, or sometimes I, I have urgent work that has to take its place, but generally I do continue heading in the same direction. And I've produced an enormous amount of work that way. It's the same with martial arts. I got into it randomly, just tried it out and fell head over heels in love. And then, um, it's just been, honestly, working to find room in my life to do that as much as I want to. And that's a work in progress. So I compromise some things. I don't, you know, I don't go out uh, too much to shows, anywhere near as much as I used to. Um, And I spend a lot of time with my family and on these creative projects. And I'm curious, are you teaching piano to your (laughs) six-year-old? That's a loaded question. Not currently. (laughs) No, <laughs> <laughs> not quite yet. I if, am um, well. I'm well. Um, 
I certainly have the skills to teach her, but uh, my mother was my first piano teacher, and I think it was with great relief that we both passed me on to another teacher. I honestly think that it's hard <laughs> for parents to teach children, with exceptions. And um, my daughter and I are both training at the same martial arts studio, and that's super fun, but I don't teach oh, her. <laughs> that's so fun. That's fun that you share that, Emily. That's so great. So we've touched a little bit on some of the projects that Crema.co is involved in and how you're involved with fostering Ethiopia and um, and their coffee. How would you describe your dreams, Emily? Hmm. My personal dreams. Yes. I have a personal dream of continuing to become bigger as a human being. And often that means allowing myself to be schooled by other people or by circumstances. And it also means continuing to hold on to the paths that I've chosen, which include coffee and my family life and the creative endeavors I'm involved in. So it's kind of a little bit ambiguous, but the reality, the acting out of the dream isn't ambiguous at all. It involves a lot of um, sitting in a chair and doing the work, whether I want to or not. It involves a lot of um, learning to have good communication and willingness to embrace risk and um, sometimes danger. Traveling, um, you know, in Ethiopia in the past few years has been a little bit scary from an outsider's perspective because... Um, There have been several national states of emergency, but the truth is that we've always been treated with great respect. Never have we been put in danger. In fact, um, I I have rarely felt so safe as surrounded by my Ethiopian friends. And so my personal dream is to continue growing as a human being, making these projects such as Crema.co and Catalyst, Um, grow in their impact in the world because I believe that they will make the world a better place and thus finding my own place as a human being in a sea of human beings. Oh, Emily, that's thank you for sharing that. And we're excited to hear how your journey progresses. And we wish you all the best, of course, with Crema.co and with all your writing and and bringing coffee to to our lives in so many ways and sharing how it's a community and not a commodity. You know, we talked a little bit initially about Portland and the culture of Portland, Oregon. And I, I think the culture there is fantastic. How would you describe the Portland coffee scene? Mm, I would describe it as enthusiastic. <laughs> Enthusiastic is a good word that covers a lot of bases. And I think that um, what I see in the Portland culture is that it's constantly, I almost think of it as like um, a sourdough starter. Like there's just all this bubbling activity constantly happening. And um, who knows where we're all headed, but we're definitely headed somewhere. And I think a lot of us in Portland coffee have great aspirations and want to make the world a better place. And so I really see that Portland is, Again, I think I'm attracted to places that are, um, in my mind, a microcosm of a greater whole, um, such as Ethiopia for the coffee world or Portland for the coffee world, because um, you see such a cross-section of different demographics and focuses here in Portland coffee, and I think what we're seeing is everybody uh, struggling toward the light as an industry, and I see that in Portland. So that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be here in the epicenter of it. 
Portland, Oregon is a wonderful place. It's also a great place, I think, for kids to grow up. Um, oh, yeah. So, yes, <laughs> There's a park on great. every corner, and it's just a wonderful yes. place to be as a kid. Yeah, definitely. Would you have a favorite coffee cafe in Portland, Emily? Ooh, I don't think I can state that. <laughs> I know. I know so many great options, I can imagine. So and we talked a little, yes. Yeah. Are you planning any upcoming travels? Um, we are debating whether we want to take our first ever vacation close by so we don't have to travel much because we travel so much for work or if we want to go to maybe Southeast Asia. I don't know. Um, otherwise, we have a little bit of local U.S.-based travel to um, share the coffees that we're bringing in this year as they land. And um, then it won't be until the fall for when we get back to Ethiopia for the pre-harvest planning. Oh, fantastic. How long will you stay in Ethiopia? I personally will probably accrue about a month. Um, My business partner, Michael, will be there more like three or four months from the September to April window. And you'll be there in pretty much the capacity of Catalyst Consulting on that trip? Definitely. Yep. Okay. And uh, our daughter, Era, will come when I come. So uh, we go there as a family. We do a lot of um, just connection with our business partners there on a personal level. I do um, a lot of documentation of the projects that that are going on and then also um, work with the systems that are in place to improve them while I'm there. We look forward to reading your stories, and we also Ooh. look forward to seeing your photographs, Emily. So Thank uh, we you. can't wait, definitely. And we also look forward to all the growth for Crema.co and how you really are building such a coffee community. So thank you for that. As we close, oh, we'd like to thank you, Emily, for joining us and for sharing your stories and about how you became involved in coffee, a little bit about your early days, and also how you have become founder and general manager of Crema.co that is is truly on a great mission to empower farmers and roasters and coffee drinkers mm-hmm. to really live good lives. So thank you for sharing the stories and and also pulling together the community and showing how it is such a community and growing the community. So thank you again, Emily, for joining us today. Thank you, Aniko. Sharing your inspiring stories. And we have been thankful that our listeners have joined us today as well from all around the world. And um, thank you so much for being with us. And of course, we love to share our Anikona.com gift with you. And if you have additional questions, you can always email us at radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. Emily, thank you again for sharing those stories and, and bringing and connecting not only the cloud for us and not only the office cubes, but connecting <laughs> us all together through your stories. We're so grateful, and it's been such oh. an honor to have you. And Thank you, our, Aniko. <laughs> thank you, Emily. And to all our listeners, we wish you a wonderful week. Thanks again for joining us, and we wish you a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, 
We hope you'll have a relaxing week.